Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Recorded live. Well, today I'm going to be talking to Kira Sundance. She's a dog trainer, performer, author, and more. And I think that I probably discovered Kira when I was browsing through the book section of PetSmart. Her book, 101 Dog Tricks, caught my eye because of its concise, upbeat philosophy and the great photo illustrations. The book provides both a positive philosophy for dog training as well as a clear and simple instructions for every trick or behavior in the book. And then I discovered some videos of Kira on the Internet as well as her program called Do More With Your Dog. And I even attended one of her weekend seminars. It was a lot of fun, even though Kira herself never got to attend because she spent the weekend stuck at the Dallas-Fort Worth airport due to bad weather. So first of all, Kira, where are you located? Uh, California, sunny California. So are you having sunshine today? We are. I'm uh, currently wearing shorts and a short sleeve shirt, so uh, life is good. We started out rainy, but the sun's out here in New York State. Um, so can you tell me, how about telling me about the first dog you owned or the first dog that you lived with? Um, so, I, you know, sort of, I, I assume you mean sort of in the more recent um, uh, time. Um, that would be Chelsea, and she's the Weimaraner that you see on the cover of that book you mentioned, 101 Dog Tricks. Um, so she and I started training together when she was a little tiny puppy, and uh, we were very much into particularly AKC competitive sports. So we did all the obedience, agility, hunting, retrieving, and then we did you know some disc dog and some other dock diving and some other sports and stuff. So me and her just did um, we we did all the the trials and the competitions and stuff every weekend. And then how did you segue from that into performing with your dog? So, you know, kind of by coincidence. So um, do you remember on TV, on Animal Planet, that there was this show called Pet Star? Yep. Okay. So Pet Star, it was a, it's a great show. It was an animal talent competition. And every week on the show they would have like 10 animal acts, you know, different animals, birds and cats and dogs. And they would do their little talent segment, and they had celebrity judges that would vote and, and pick a winner for the episode every time. It's a great show. And uh, they had, I just saw like a random flyer that they were having auditions in Burbank, California, which is near me. And I thought, cool, I want to try out for the show. And we threw together an act. But because Chelsea was already so well-trained in obedience and stuff, it was easy to sort of put together an act and, you know, sort of um, transition those behaviors that she already knew. For example, we did um, tidy up your toys into the toy box because she already knew how to retrieve and how to put something in whatever. So, you know, we were able to put that together. So we did the audition. We got on the show. Uh, we actually won and went to the championships and then uh, ended up taking the bronze in the championships. And from there, we just started getting calls from TV shows and people saying, hey, can you perform at our kid's birthday party? Can you perform at our local little, you know, animal fair or whatever? 
And we're like, well, okay, I guess. And we started to put together an act and, you know, more people called and we started to put together more of an act. And over time, it, um, it just became more fun for us than even the competition. Um, I love competition. I think competition serves a great purpose in motivating us to achieve those high goals. Um, but the neat thing about doing the performance is that it's so collaborative. Um, with competition, you've got the judge who's telling you exactly how you need to execute the behavior. With performance, you can kind of try something, and your dog sort of makes up his own way of doing it, and you're like, all right, we can work with that. Let's work that into the act. And it just feels really, really like you're a team working together. So we really enjoyed that. Well, that's great if you have the kind of dog like I do that likes to clown around and yes. <laughs> don't always know what he's coming up with. And, yes. uh, in fact, at the, I mentioned that I went to the uh, the um, weekend seminar, and uh, one of the behaviors that uh, we were going to get started trying to treat was or trying to train was um, to have the dog sniff something under a cup and then put his paw on the correct cup. And of course, it started out easy with two cups, and my little dog just lay down. And he put one paw on each cup. He said, "Okay." <laughs> Nice. <laughs> couldn't, so, couldn't train him to do that if he tried. <laughs> so where are the, some, of, some of the places that you've performed? Um, oh, my gosh. I mean, at, at this point, we've performed uh, such a wide variety of places. So we'll, we'll do, um, like, halftime shows at, at NBA games and baseball games. We do circuses and trade shows. We do um, stage shows, like we did the – we start in the run for Disney's Underdog stage show – um, the Tonight Show, the Ellen Show. We even were flown to um, to Morocco to do a command performance <laughs> for the King of Morocco. Wow. So what one of all those, is there one venue that was the most stressful? Most stressful? Um, most stressful? I, you know, nothing's, nothing's coming to mind. You know, people ask me, like, when we do the Tonight Show, oh, aren't you, aren't you scared or something because there's millions of people watching? And you're like, no, there aren't. There's, like, the, you know, 100 people in the audience, and that's all it feels <laughs> like. like you, don't, you, know, you, don't, you don't feel, and even when we do a halftime show and there's, you know, tens of thousands of people in the audience, it, it doesn't read that way to you. You kind of only see the people in the front row, and it doesn't feel like it's that So they're just a big blur in the distance. Yeah, it pretty much is. Um, I almost want to say that, um, and this is true of, like, public speaking as well, it's often easier to speak to a big crowd than a small, intimate group. Because somehow you feel <laughs> when you're doing, like, this small group that you're just being watched a lot. So what happens um, when you are – you're performing and, you know, a dog is, after all, a dog, and sometimes they go off and do their own thing. What, how do you get back on track or how do you handle that? So, yeah, I mean, it, I, I can't even count the number of times I've been embarrassed. <laughs> you, you're, like, you're like, you hold up a hula hoop, and you're like, jump through the hoop, and the dog just stands there and looks at you like, I have no idea what you're talking about. I've never seen that thing before, <laughs> you know? And um, so I, I think, number one, it feels like a hundred times worse to you than it actually looks to the audience. <laughs> so you think it's super embarrassing, but the audience, like, if you ask them at the end of the show, they don't even remember that part of it or whatever. It's, it doesn't make that big of an impact. Um, and, you know, two, you, you try and make a joke out of it. 
And three, um, I've come to, because I've done so many shows, I've come to be able to read my dog. And you can sometimes just tell from the look in their eye, you know, the heat or whatever. You're like, that is not going to go well. So we're just going to skip right over that hula hoop and go on to the next thing. Yeah, I went to a one search and rescue conference where we, they had a game. And it was something I hadn't trained my dog. So I figured there was no hope, but I was willing to go around and try where they it was going to be doggy golf, and they put some flags out, and you know each flag was a hole, and your goal was to send your dog out to that flag and have them stay there for I can't remember ten seconds maybe, and you know when it was my dog's turn, he ran straight out to that flag and peed on it, and oh, so he was yeah. there for ten ten seconds. <laughs> that was the only hole in one we scored, obviously, but <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> So since you, your um, dogs have been Wyveroners, what made you, how did you end up selecting that breed? Um, you know, a, a Weimaraner was my childhood dog growing up. So I, I think there's something about your childhood dog that just imprints on you a lot. So I think yeah. so. You know, I have quarter collies, and, um, you know, there's some pictures of the first dog my family had, and the dog does look a lot like a border collie. I was so little, I have no conscious memory, so I'm not sure if maybe that's why. And since, um, you know, whether you're having a performance dog or in this podcast is geared towards search and rescue handlers, you're going to try to choose a dog that needs to learn some complex behaviors reliable reliably. So when you choose a dog, when you've gotten a puppy, how did you pick out your puppy? You know, that's a good question. Um, so, uh, you know, and I, and I get my puppies at eight weeks. Um, there are those, you know, puppy temperament tests that you can do, and it's sort of a series of, you know, eight different tests, which are like you, you crumple up a little ball of paper and throw it, and you try and get the dog to retrieve it, and some of them are more natural retrievers. Um, you know, you do little confidence testing with them and stuff like that. So there are ways to temperament test a puppy. <laughs> so basically I, I temperament test them all, and then in the end I end up going with my gut instinct and picking the one that, whatever reason, speaks to my heart. <laughs> and, yeah. You know, and yeah. in my experience, too, even the temperament testing, um, it, it only gets you so far. I mean, it's really a crapshoot in the end anyway. So pick the one that your heart is, is telling you to. Yeah, well, yeah, with the eight weeks old, I mean, they're like human babies that they're just having to have, have them yeah. to be hungry or tired at that moment. It's, it's tough. But, uh, but to, so, to, the, to the best of my ability, um, the thing I look for the most is confidence. Um, mm-hmm. because that's, that's such a hard thing. If the dog is not confident genetically, it's such a struggle for the rest of its life to bring that out of him and to also have a dog that's going to, um, you know, they get fearful biting and stuff if they're, not, if they're not confident dogs, and you don't want to have that. So mm-hmm. that's kind of my number one thing I look for. So, you know, your style of dog training is obviously very positive. Is that how you started out, or did that evolve over time? I've actually always been a positive trainer, but I'll tell you what, Eva, the, the – the, the really exceptional expert trainers that I've known in my life, um, I would say all of them, as, as we get older, we get even more and more positive. Um, and I'll say in my case, I get more lenient the older I get. <laughs> I, think, I, 
beginning, in the beginning, you know, there's, there's all these rules and you think you need to, you know, do things the correct way. And, you know, every time your dog does this, you need to do that. You know, don't, don't let them jump on you sometimes if you don't want your dog to jump on you, <laughs> those kind of things. And as I get older, I see more and more gray areas and I just get more mm-hmm. with it. <laughs> So I guess it's like, um, you know, I guess it's like, uh, you know, I have three kids and I'm probably a little more lenient with the third one than with the first first one. But they all turned out okay. And, yeah. Um, you know, when I was at that search and rescue conference recently, there were some people who were new trainers who really weren't familiar with using um, clickers or markers. So can you just give a brief explanation that people are listening um, why you would use a, a clicker or a marker word for those of us who are sometimes uncoordinated. Yeah, so um, marker training is at the base of all animal training. And um, I think people too often sort of um, think of clickers and markers and they sort of put them in the same bucket and they say, oh, I don't like to use clickers because I can't, you know, I've got this extra thing in my hand or whatever. But everybody uses marker training. Whether you know it or not, you're using marker training. And all marker training is, is um, rewarding the dog the instant that the dog does it correctly. And by rewarding him, you're either doing it with a piece of food, meaning you tell him to sit the instant his butt hits the ground, you put a piece of food in his mouth, or you do it with a clicker, meaning the instant he sits, you click and quickly follow up with a treat, or you do it with a word, so instantly sits, you say good, and you follow up with a treat. And that, it's, it's marker training is really all about timing. It's the way we can let our dog know instantly if he did something right. Or, frankly, we also use the same concept when he did something wrong. If your dog puts his nose in the trash, you want to say no at that instant, right? You don't want to say it like 30 seconds later. Yeah. And how about when another thing we talked about is what about when your dog doesn't do the right thing, um, you know, it's not all that productive to yell and scream no at them. So you know, if they make a wrong choice, what word do you use that indicates um, you did the wrong thing and try again? So, I mean, there's two different things. There's the dog being naughty and there's the dog not doing the correct thing because he didn't, he didn't understand it or didn't choose to do it or whatever. So when the, sometimes the dog is naughty, right? Sometimes he told him, he told him a thousand times, don't go in the trash can, and he waits till you're in the other room and he goes into the trash can, right? That's, that's really deliberate. Mm-hmm. So that's a, that's a no, get out of the trash, cut it out kind of thing, right? But mm-hmm. if, he's, if he's making a wrong choice, so if you're, if you're teaching him something or working with something and, and you're telling him, like you mentioned, you did the shell game with your dog and he has to figure out which bucket is hiding the treat and he goes to the wrong one, you almost never want to say no or tell the dog he's wrong. Um, instead, you only tell him when he's right, and your silence indicates to him when he didn't choose correctly. And mm-hmm. there's a reason we do that, um, because if you say no to a dog, it really shuts them down. They don't want to work anymore. Even if you're saying no in a very um, quiet and nice way, Dogs don't want to be wrong. They don't like that feeling, and they would rather not work at all than be wrong. So instead, we just kind of say, keep looking, and don't give them the reward until they get it right. Mm-hmm. And, of course, you took all these things you learned, and you put them in um, some books. The best-known book is, I think, 101 Dog Tricks. So when and where did you get the idea to write the book? 
Yeah, that's that's been a huge a huge seller. That book has um, a million copies in print at this point in uh, in like 22 languages. Um, so I actually uh, got a random phone call from a publishing company, and they said, "Hey, you know, we want you to write a book for us on tricks." I'm like, "Yeah, awesome." And they said, "Oh, we were thinking of a title like 101 Dog Tricks." And I'm like, oh, yeah, sounds great, sounds great, sure. And I hang up the phone. I'm like, I don't think there are 101 dollars. <laughs> but, you know, you, you put pen to paper and you start thinking and thinking and looking, and, and um, it does come together. So, yeah, that was, that was really their just random suggestion. So do you, you know, when you're teaching your dogs and they learn more and more, do you keep a log? or a training record so you'll know, remember what you taught them and, and when they did and what problems you were having with training? You know, not not anymore. And some of my products have different kind of things. I have one, um, one book, which is the Dog Tricks and Training Workbook, which actually comes with 30 trick cards. So you have this card deck. And I thought that was <laughs> a really fun way to, to keep track of them or something. And then at one point I had um, an iPhone app where I had like all the tricks that we were currently working on listed, and then it lets you checkbox them every time you train it, basically. And every, so every time I trained it, they would go to the bottom of the list, so the ones I hadn't trained in a while would stay at the top of the list. <laughs> and, and that was my favorite app for a long time, yeah. And one thing that I really like about the book, because you know, amongst my hobbies is do you know, some photography, are the, the photos, which are really top-notch. So who did the photos for your book? Oh, my gosh. I'm glad you asked. Um, so uh, a friend of mine, uh, I, was, I had done a TV series, um, a reality show on Bravo, like years ago, called <laughs> Show Dog Moms and Dads. And the, the, the videographer guy that was assigned to me and my dog was named Nick Saglambeni. So we became friends because we were filming together for six months or whatever. He went on to become this world-famous photographer. He's the photographer for Kim Kardashian and, and their clan. <laughs> he, does like, he does like Latoya Jackson and I, all these rap artists and whatever, all these famous people. But because we were friends, he continued to do our dog photo shoot. So I've got like this, this awesome world-class photographer doing our dog photo shoot. Yeah, because those, those photos really help make that book stand out. Yeah. Um, so what are the titles of some of the other books that you wrote? Uh, I think I have eight books out. So, oh, well, let me tell you my newest book. So I, I, I said that the really famous one is called 101 Dog Tricks. Just this summer I came out with one called 101 Dog Tricks Kids Edition. Mm-hmm. So it's got, instead of photos of me working with the dogs, it's got all photos of these adorable kids working with dogs, teaching them simple tricks, but also um, teaching them games, stuff like um, dog bowling, where you, you set up bowling pins <laughs> in the hallway and you have one kid at either end of the hallway and you call the dog and get him to knock down the bowling pins, right? So just like <laughs> simple game, or like... Um, you know, bobbing for popcorn in like a little kid's waiting pool or something or pop. And, and I, I know, excuse me, I'm losing my voice, but I saw that there's, you know, a lot of craft projects in there. Yeah. So who, who try, tested those out? Who did you get um, to try those out? So, so um, I'm, not, I'm not a really good crafter. Um, one of our employees, C.G. Shaw, is a really good crafter. <laughs> so she helped me with a lot of the stuff. And then 
my uh, not good crafting skills, I would say I was the test subject. So if it was doable <laughs> for me, it'll be doable for a seven-year-old kid. Yeah, I was a Girl Scout leader for a while, and I'm pretty good with crafts, and so my kids picked it up. But I, it was a challenge sometimes, things I thought, thought were simple, trying to get a put, you know, ten little girls all to get them completed at the same time. Um, no, no, it's, it's, it's fun when you get to do it with your dog. And, and the crafts, I always try and do things that aren't just, like, independent of the dog. It's something that you work with your dog. For example, there's one that's, like, um, a dog silhouette painting. So you have to take a picture of your dog, print it out from your printer, cut it out, trace it onto a canvas, and then color in the outside. So you've got like the silhouette of your dog. So all of them I tried to make it so you're at least part of the time that you're working with your dog, so he's participating in the craft with you. So I'm guessing that you spent a lot of time with your childhood dog, just uh, playing and talking to your dog. Yeah. Oh, we had a great, um, great environment at that time. We used to live in Belgium when I was a kid. And we mm-hmm. were right on the edge of the forest, so it was just one of those idyllic kind of <laughs> kind of landscapes with a dog running off leash through the forest. Yeah, yeah, that's what I used to do. We had, you know, I don't remember the first dog we had, but then we had a, a beagle, and our, you know, it was kind of the suburbs. We backed up to a bunch of woods, and I spent many hours just running through the woods, listening to that beagle howl, at whatever he was chasing, and. Um, and you also have your business um, called Do More With Your Dog. Can you explain what that program is? Yeah, so um, Do More With Your Dog is, uh, we do a sort of variety of stuff. We do trick dog title certifications. So we actually have about mm, 8,000 titles that we've awarded so far, and you can earn your novice, intermediate, advanced, expert trick dog title as well as your trick dog champion title. So basically there's a list of 100 different dog tricks and they have different point values. So to get your novice title, you have to do 15 tricks from, you know, the no, you know, totaling up to 15 points from the list. And for the advanced title, you'd have to do, you know, certain advanced level tricks or whatever. But the nice thing is that there's a whole list that you can pick from because every dog is going to be different and they each have their strengths. So if, for example, you have like an English bulldog, um, Rollover may be a hard trick for your dog. You don't want to do rollover. Or maybe scent work is not, you know, your dog's forte if you have that kind of dog. But there will be some tricks on that list that your dog, skateboarding maybe would be one that that Mm -hmm. your dog would be perfect for. So I love the idea of not being so, as I mentioned before with competition, not being so locked into what the judge tells you you have to do and having a little bit of creative freedom between you and your dog to do what works best for you. Yeah, I had a lot of fun. I had um, I had two dogs for a while. Unfortunately, my younger dog developed seizures and died, but he was, he was kind of a pest. So that meant I had to teach him new things all the time to keep him out of trouble. So mm-hmm. he actually did get his champion trick dog certification. And one of the things I, I actually learned that I hadn't really been successful with any other dog until I kind of sat down and broke it down was um, – getting him to go out and do directionals. Um, mm-hmm. And that was, you know, I had it's a useful skill if you're a, a search dog handler. And yeah. it was the first time I actually finally, as I was sort of treat, te- teaching him, um, and I think I really, it was one of those aha moments when I was at that seminar when it's one of those things you hear, but somebody sometimes has to point it out before it really clicks. 
is that part of the secret was learning to reward my dog when he was in the position, you know, getting him to go out there and then running over to him and giving him the reward when he was stopped where he was supposed to be. Exactly. Um, and I think the woman who was sort of in charge in your absence, Cindy Briggs, is not related. She had a great way of explaining that where she said, you know, it's, you know, we're standing in this big room and I say to you, I'm going to give you five bucks every time you run across and, and touch that wall. Well, if, if you have to come back to me to get that $5, eventually you're going to get, you know, kind of almost there and then you just turn around and go back and keep cutting it shorter and shorter to see how, yep. what you can get away with. But if somebody doesn't give you that five dollars until you're standing there touching the wall, then that's going to motivate you to to get that behavior correctly. Um, you know, and you also have the All Star Performance Dog Team. Can you tell people what those are? Yes, and that's something we're going to be putting a lot of effort into in this next year. Um, so All Star Performance Dog Teams are trick dog teams that perform live shows at you know, little dog fairs, schools, um, animal shelter fundraisers, church events, whatever, um, just little local teams. So basically there's a lot of people that would like to do trick dog shows, but it's so hard when you're all by yourself to do it, right? Not only to leave, but to get the gigs, and also like we were saying, like, oh, my gosh, what if something embarrassing happens and you're standing up there all alone? <laughs> so it's really great to be part of a team, and that allows one person to be on the microphone, and you could kind of, you know, one person could gather up props while the next person is going out, whatever. Um, so we wanted to help people form these teams. So that's what the all-star teams are. Basically, if you're one of our certified trick dog instructors, you can then be eligible to be a team captain for an all-star team. And once you're a team captain, then you're posted on the website, and then people in your area who want to join an all-star team can find you, and you guys can get together and figure out your own routine and how you want to do it and how often you want your practices and get gigs and go out and perform. And so how does somebody become a certified trick dog instructor? You mentioned. Yeah, so um, we're always looking for more certified trick dog instructors. Um, and you do so through, um, you, you get the application packet off of the website, Do More With Your Dog. And the application packet has all the learning materials and the curriculums, and then there's also a um, a written test and a video uh, that you make of yourself teaching. And, um, yeah, assuming that you pass the test and you become certified. And I see that one of your newest ventures is offering some online classes that are called um, the Spark Teams or Spark, Spark teams. Classes. Yeah. And I haven't done it yet, but a friend with a new puppy tried a novice class and, and said she really enjoyed it. So can you tell people about those? You know, those have been incredibly successful since we started them in November. So um, they're on Facebook. They're basically Facebook groups, and they're called Spark Teams. And each one is led by a certified trick dog instructor who's the coach. So each class runs for one month, and they all run from the, the first of the month to the last of the month. And they all have a goal of getting you to earn your trick dog title by the end of the month. They're all free, by the way. Um, so through that month, the coach will post every week um, a couple videos of the tricks that you're supposed to learn that week. So she'll post a video of how to teach spin and how to teach muffin tin trick and, and a couple stuff. And then everybody, um, they can, they don't have to, but they can post their own videos of how their dog did and ask questions and the coach helps them through trouble spots. And hopefully by the end of the month, they will be eligible to earn their trick dog title. 
Um, it's been really successful, you know. And before we started it, I kind of thought like, gee, why, you know, why would people like this? Because they can get my book or something, and they can just teach their dog on their own. Why do they need a whole, you know, Facebook group to do it? But it's somehow the structure and the motivation of being in a, a month long and a little bit of peer pressure, right? <laughs> that, that's, it's been just really successful for people. Yeah, and I learned another thing I learned um, from reading your website was about pedestal training. Can you explain that and why people might want to use that? Yeah, so um, I, I'm I'm a huge proponent of something called pedestal training. And in fact, when I teach this in my workshops, I call it my my desert island tool. Like if I were on a desert island with only like three training tools, a pedestal would be one of them. Like that's how how integral it is to all all aspects of my training. Um, so there's about five different ways that you can use pedestals, but basically it's a, you know, a little stand like an agility pause table or, or some kind of little stand that your dog stays on and that, that is his home base from which to work. And one of the things pedestals are really effective at is, um, you know, when you're trying to teach something to your dog and he's squirreling around and moving and pawing at you, blah, 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 especially puppies, if you put him on a pedestal, we like to say quiet feet equals a focused mind. All of a sudden, you got him on his, on his pedestal, his feet are quiet, and now his eyes are looking at you, and you've got his focus and his attention. So it's much easier to teach specifically puppies, but, but dogs in general, while they're sitting on that pedestal. But then after that, that becomes like in my performance when I do live shows, we do all the tricks, but then she's always sent back to her pedestal, and she gets rewarded on that pedestal. So we'll do something. She does it right. I'll say good. She goes back to the pedestal. And I have multiple dogs, so there's multiple pedestals, and it's a really great way to keep control of the dogs. So they're on their pedestals. I call one off, do some tricks, send that one back, call the next one off, and it just kind of keeps them really contained for me. Did you ever have the problem with multiple dogs where, if you do, how do you handle it, where dog A is supposed to be waiting her turn, and she's annoyed because you're paying attention to the dog be. So yes. Yeah. So well, I'll, I'll tell you. Um, this may not be one of my desert island top three training tools, but a, a tool that I um, ha- has been life changing. <laughs> if that's not overstating it for me, is my egg timer. So <laughs> when I when I go out to my training yard, I have one of those like um, those old fashioned egg timers where like you turn the dial, you know, and it goes mm-hmm. something, whatever. So I set that egg timer to five minutes. So I have both dogs on the pedestal, set it to five minutes. I work with one dog for five minutes till the timer goes off. Then I put the dog back. And what that does for me, Eva, um, n- number one, you know how you're working one dog and the other dog is like barking at you or stressing at you, like, my turn, my turn, my turn? <laughs> That's exactly that, like my Right. And it stresses you out, and what you end up doing is going, ah, all right, your turn. And then the other dog's stressing, and you're like, ah, all right, your turn. And you're, like, switching back and forth, and you're, like, I have all this anxiety. With the egg timer, all of a sudden, I'm like, no. I'm like, you got your five minutes. This dog is getting five minutes. It's all fair. And it somehow just all of a sudden took that <laughs> that stress out of me. <laughs> that I wasn't, you know, because you feel like you're not being fair or whatever. Um, <laughs> So the dog eventually kind of gets the idea that I'm going to wait for the egg timer. Or or not. I mean, it's mostly for my benefit. But I think another thing the egg timer does for me is, you know, when you're training, you don't want to be, 
dilly-dallying and screwing around during your training. You don't want to be doing like a little bit of training and, oh, now I have to get more treats and, oh, I have to talk to my friend and, and the dog is like sniffing around and whatever. You want it to be the dog is either training and he's, he's working or he's up on his pedestal, but you don't want to like encourage that dilly-dallying. So that's the other thing that egg timer does is like set it for five minutes. We are training for five minutes when the egg timer goes off then it gives you a chance to go to the bathroom, get your treats, think about what went wrong during that five minutes and have a chance to reset and figure out mm-hmm. your new plan. But, yeah, but, but so, so it kind of gives real focused training sessions. Okay. And one of the things I really admire is that you took something that was your passion and then you turned it into a business. So did you have any business training or did you have to learn it all by trial and error? Yeah, not not specifically, Eva. I'll, I'll tell you in my in my experience in life, um, if you're really passionate about things, I think that's the things you're going to end up being successful at. Like if I had said, "Oh, I want to, you know, make a business doing whatever," like I don't know, it, I, it it probably would have failed. But I think it's only because I want so I believe in this so much and I want so bad, you know, for it to work that I, I it ends up working. Well, thanks for talking with me today, and I want to tell listeners that um, if you haven't seen Kira's books, like the 101 Dog Tricks book or the kids' version, you should definitely check those books out, and also check out her website, domorewithyourdog.com, and you can read about some of the things we talked about today and see lots of neat photos and videos. Um, I know somewhere on there, there's links to some of those amazing all-star performance dog teams. I'm not even sure how they did some of those, some of those performances. It's just amazing. So I hope um, everybody will check those things out. Thanks, Eva. Yeah, so I'm going to end the recording part now. So it's going to be a Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.